And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbrake off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Premier League football returns this weekend. Thank God. Thank God. I think we've got another month before the next international break. Let's enjoy a bit of proper football for a while. Uh, Arsenal head to Stamford Bridge Saturday afternoon to talk about that and other Arsenal-related stuff. I'm joined by Art de Roche and James McNicholas. Morning. Hello, Ian. Good morning. Morning. Before we talk about all the Arsenal news and a team or what have you, Mohamed Elneny, very emotional interview, talked about how emotional he was when Arsenal gave him a contract the day he got, after he got an injury that ended his season. It was a very nice thing that, that they did. But he also talked about the fact that he's launched his new football team, Mohamed Elneny FC, or Elneny FC, uh, with dreams of one day playing in the Premier League. He said, of course, it could take 15 years, 20 years, but we have the target where we want to be. I love to dream. What am I going to lose? I'm going to work every day about this. Uh, so we thought we'd ask our panellists, what... You, you would call your team and what your dreams are as well. I mean, the thing is, you can do this on Football Manager or FIFA, or whatever <laughs> it's called now. Uh, anyway, uh, I took Cambridge United to European glory and built them a 60,000-seat stadium, which they fill, <laughs> even though it's actually bigger than the town that they play in. But anyway, you can do this. So, James, if you had a team, uh, what would it be called? What, what sort of football would you play? What's your dream? Yeah, I was thinking about this. How about any FC? It's not imaginative enough. For me, I think you've got to try and be a bit more creative with your your suffix or your, your prefix of your football team. Um, yeah, I like Red Star, so I'm going to go for in tribute to Red Star Belgrade. I guess it would have to be Red Star Bald James, and we can play at the <laughs> play at the Chrome Dome, of course. Um, that's about as far as I've got with yes. it. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, you've got time to develop these ideas, haven't you? I'm sure Mo didn't come up with this overnight. He was thinking about it for a while. Uh, um, Art, what about you? Well, I mean, like you said, you got the chance to do it on FIFA. And with my ultimate team, I, I picked a name when I was 13 and it stuck till even this year's issue. And that's Artifacts. So that's nice. that's my team name. And the football we play or the football I try and play on Football Manager is passing very possession based as you'd expect from an Arsenal uh, fan so <laughs> so yeah that's kind of the vibe of my team I've gone for the Stone Collective it sounds sort of more like a, a sort of I don't know soul band or something perhaps uh, 15 members I'm thinking anyway <laughs> 11 in this case uh, it has to be North London obviously and um, and the football uh, it's got to be last season's football but with a happier ending alright so sort of chaos 
really, only without sort of overdoing the emotion. So we've still got something left at the end. Anyway, that's what we're dreaming about <laughs> if we are going to lead our club. I think it might take him longer than 15 or 20 years, but he's got time. Why not? Uh, do you know he's only 31? Did you know that Mo Elneny is only 31, James? Yeah, I mean, it's just, I guess he's got an old face, Ian. <laughs> One of those old faces. He's been around a while. I mean, I, I saw his interview. It was a good interview. He said, I, I shed tears uh, when Arsenal offered me a new contract. And I thought, yeah, there's a bloke who sits near me who probably did as well. Um, but he, he's, he's a good egg. He is. He is. When he was talking about when uh, the fans were singing his name on the way back from Aston Villa, even though he hadn't been playing and how that felt to him. I mean, it's it's an amazing thing and, and we're glad to have him. And he's the glue, isn't he? And hopefully he'll stick around as long as he wants. Um I haven't spoken to you guys since the City game. Art, you wrote a piece about how Arsenal are suffocating teams out of possession. I imagine this is what the artefacts are going to be like as well. <laughs> Just brutally uh, effective, really. I mean, I mentioned it before, how emotional we were last year. And we talked about it on the pod the other day with Amy and Adrian and it is less emotional and we are ex- essentially accepting we might not have the ball for a bit this is what you were writing um, you said the foundations of Arsenal's improvements against City in particular has been how well they dominate central spaces in all thirds of the pitch in both their wins this season they've started with an acceptance they will not have the ball and they grow into the game around the 20 minute mark and find their feet I mean to be fair Art they could have been a goal or two down before or certainly a goal down before that happened but once they did find their feet they were very effective well they didn't really give City a sniff did they no and I think it was a real I guess display of how mature they are in some situations not all because we all remember the Fulham game for instance but when I think back to last year as well what they did well to almost buck the trend of losing away from home against teams who uh, played at stadiums with great atmospheres like Newcastle, Crystal Palace, and to a lesser extent, Brighton, but they've struggled there beforehand, was they just shut the crowd up. And I think in a way, they did something similar where even though it was a home game, you just kind of take the sting out of the game and then you can kind of grow into it. So that's where I think that, I guess, progression has taken them this year. And... I did mention at the bottom of the piece, obviously, you'd want to see a bit more of the football from last year, as you mentioned earlier, Ian. Um, But in those more head-to-head clashes with the big teams, I guess it's them learning as well um, that you can't really just use a one-size-fits-all approach to every game you go into. No, we can't just come flying out of the blocks. James, I mean, in cricket, it's always about catches win matches, right? And uh, football, defences win titles, right? And keeping a clean sheet against City in the way that we did. And as I say, Haaland's XG was 0.00. This is a more controlled way of playing, isn't it? I think so. And obviously there'll be games where the onus is on Arsenal to take the game to the opponent more and you know they'll be facing a deep block and it'll be a very different kind of challenge. But I was struck, I saw a stat on Twitter this morning from a football writer called Billy Carpenter. And he said last year, Arsenal were 18th in the league for tackles in the middle third. Now they're first. And I don't know what you can attribute that to entirely. Is it just purely the Declan Rice effect? I think he's having certainly, 
Yeah, exactly. I think we, uh, we're we just being much more effective out of possession than we have in previous seasons, especially towards the end of last season, where it felt like at times you could cut through Arsenal really easily. You remember all those occasions where we'd misplaced one pass in midfield. It always seemed to be Martin Odegaard and then two or three passes and the opposition were in. And I think our spacing seems much better. I think we're much more secure. I still have this nagging feeling that it's it's... It's maybe less exciting, you know, from a pure fan perspective. I think it's it doesn't quite get the pulse racing in the same way, but maybe that's good. If we all want to survive the season, (laughs) um, bringing those pulses under control might be a good thing. You know what will get the pulse racing? Winning the title. That'll get the pulse racing. And that's what, and in, you know, we have to remember we're up against a machine. We're up against a, a very well-funded uh, machine and we have to be nigh on perfect. And if there are periods in games when we just um, keep the ball for 15 minutes and wear them out, and then that comes, that that that, that all comes to fruition in the 75th, 80 minutes because they're knackered having chased us for all the, fir- the first 80 minutes of the game. Uh, that's what I want to see. I, I'm very happy to go back to 1-0 to the Arsenal. I, I <laughs> must admit, I very much enjoyed seeing in that in the tunnel as I walked away after the game the other week. Uh, one other thing, uh, Art, you wrote about this as well. Arsenal subs are scoring and creating more goals. Harvey Downs did a tweet saying that Man City was the fifth time uh, in 2023 that two substitutes have combined for a goal for Arsenal in the Premier League. Art, I'll come to you in a minute, but James, this is really about how deep the bench is, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's it's as simple as that, really. We've got better options than we've had for some time. You know, we're bringing on these players who are good enough to start. It's really interesting, I think, that Jorginho, for example, started against Man City and it's barely been a point of discussion. You know, the fact that we started without either Thomas Partey or, I guess, Declan Rice in what's been his position in recent weeks and we coped absolutely fine. And I think that is illustrative of the kind of depth we have. I also think that's an interesting stat just in the context of Mikel Arteta's substitutions, I see a lot of fans online talking about his substitutions and querying that and saying that's an area where he needs to improve. But I think it's as much about improving the options available to him. And now he's got that, we're seeing the changes be slightly more effective. Yeah, I mean, you're right, James. There has been quite a lot of chat about substitute. I mean, there's been a lot lot of chat about absolutely everything Arsenal-related, to be fair. But uh, as it turns out, Mikel Arteta brings his substitutes on around the same time as everyone else. I think he, his average is 61st minute, I think you said, and the average yeah. in the in the Premier League is the 60th minute. But there are times, we saw it with Unai Emery, as you said, obviously with Mourinho in the past, making substitutions at half-time. Is it hard for a manager to do that, do you think, because it's almost an admission of failure? Yeah, potentially, especially if it's a, a really specific game plan that you've tried in the first half and I think the perception of it is the really interesting thing because when we mention those five goals that have come from substitutions combining it does put Arsenal second um, for that stat since Arteta came in so in the past four years it's been eight goals that have come from subs but the thing is five of them have been this calendar year so one I guess point is yeah they're getting a better squad like James mentioned but also before that, that's why I guess there is such a big talking point around it. And I think he's probably still figuring out, okay, when's the right timing as well? Because the Lons game, Fabio Vieira replaces 
because Sakharin, I think straight away everyone could see that just wasn't really the right change. And then as a manager, you're probably thinking, okay, maybe he could see that as well, but you've almost got to admit to everyone that's watching that you were wrong. And I think that's a really hard thing for anyone to do, let alone someone who's going to have to be asked about it afterwards as well. Yeah, quite. And let's not forget that Mikel Arteta, as amazingly well as he's done, is a new manager. I mean, this is his first gig and he hasn't been doing it that long. And, you know, he's coming up against, <laughs> hopefully going to come up against Carlo Ancelotti and people have been doing it for 25, 30 years. So, uh, and Pep, by the way, who he uh, bested the other week against Manchester City. Let's talk about one of our best players this season. Unsung hero, Ben White. So is it Ben or Benjamin? It's actually Benjamin. Yeah, because I noticed on your Twitter page, I've not looked at your Instagram page, but Twitter is definitely Benjamin, right? Yeah. Why? It's my name. Fires one right across 2-0! And it's that man Ben White again! But still, family don't win football games, so that you need that uh, extra thing there to, to get out of, of jail when you're down to 2-2. What does that say of the moral of this uh, Arsenal team? Yeah, obviously we're quite good at football as well as a, being a family. Now, there are reports that he's on the verge of extending his contract to the club, which is great news. Uh, I've got it written down here. Arsenal's record in games where Ben White has started this season. 1-1-1 drawn, 1-1-1 drawn, 1-1-1. James, I don't particularly like that as the sequence will suggest the next one is a draw and we don't want to draw uh, away at Chelsea. Let's have a, a bit of appreciation for Benjamin White, as he said on that little clip. I just think he's an outstanding footballer. Um, in his first season, he came in, played centre-half next to Gabriel. Did well enough that I think many people thought that partnership would be intact. Then obviously Saliba returns from loan. Ben White goes out to right-back and makes that role his own as well. I think you could play him in a bunch of positions on the pitch and he would thrive because I just think he's got everything that you would want from a top-level player. I think he's got intelligence, tons of technical ability. I think the mental side of his game is really strong. I think he feels like a player who doesn't feel pressure in the same way that certain others do. Whatever level you put him in at, he seems to swim rather than sink. I remember what I always think back about Ben White is when the deal was kind of in progress. Um, it was the Euros. It was the 2020 Euros, but obviously they took place in 2021. And I was speaking to people around the player and you know trying to find out a bit about him. And one of the things I asked was, oh, do you think it will be a distraction for him that he's away with England and all this transfer talks going on? Do you think he'll sort of want to quieten that down? And the reply was so emphatic. They just said, that'll be water off a duck's back someone like Ben, he doesn't pay any attention to anything outside of his training, what his manager tells him, his game, nothing flusters him. And that's proven to be the case because when I watch Ben White, I just see a player who never looks flustered. No. I mean, I um, sent a message to Jay, our producer. Uh, I said, it's easy to be ambivalent about Ben White because he doesn't like football as much as we do, right? But then I said, so what? So what? He's incredibly dependable. And maybe uh, what James was talking about, the fact that he doesn't get flustered by any of this stuff is because he doesn't pay any attention. Yeah, I mean, his personality, I think, is really endearing, to be fair. It's quite different to everyone else. Even if you take fans into perspective, like he's just not the average person in a football world. And I think, one, it sets him apart 
I guess, as a person, but also you see on the pitch, he's also got personality where he's willing to kind of be human, I'd say, and have a laugh and a joke. And I think that side of his game, I'm not sure if you would call it his game, but we'll do it for now, um, is really helpful as well because you've got someone who's actually a character, not just a robot. And I think he really can almost take in the atmosphere of a game and decide, okay, how do I need to act now? And I think that's a really kind of impressive personality trait because it's not easy for these guys to go out there and perform in front of 60,000 people. But um, the the way he does it, I think, is a testament to him. But also the way he was, I guess, educated by Brighton, Leeds, Newport. There may be another club that I'm forgetting there. Um, but all those clubs as well, I think, have raised him really well. And Arsenal, thankfully, uh, are reaping the benefits. Certainly are. And is that, James, before we move on, is that fact that what Art was saying, that he's slightly removed from the emotion of it, do you think that's that's what helps him be as, as ice cold as he is? Maybe. I mean, I don't... I don't know Ben White particularly well. I've only had very brief interaction with him, but my impression from the outside is that he kind of sees Premier League football for what it is, you know, that he doesn't necessarily invest it with the uh, epic importance that we might uh, (laughs) as fans. I think he knows it's his job and his job, he's very happy to do a good job of work and then he goes home and he's satisfied. It's weird this reference will only make sense to anyone in the UK, but I was watching a show recently called Celebrity MasterChef where they bring on people who are ostensibly famous <laughs> yeah. to cook. And there was a guy on it called Luca Bish who was a reality contestant who, looked, to me at least, looks a little bit like Ben White. Anyway, this guy, Luca Bish, he's in this cooking competition and he, he's like, yeah, I don't really like food. He was cooking this amazing gourmet stuff but then refusing to try it because he's a fussy eater. (laughs) And anyway, it just really made me think of Ben White the whole time. Like, oh yeah, no, I understand all the tactical concepts and I can do really sort of high level tactical football models, but you know, I'm not really into it. I'd rather be in Dubai on a beach. (laughs) It's a weird thing to say. I don't really like food. Anyway, this is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake at time. Ian Stone, Art de Rocher and James McNicholas here on Handbrake Off. Arsenal women beat Aston Villa women 2-1. I watched this game. Didn't play very well, Art, and they left it very, very late. They, I think they put 50 crosses in, <laughs> but uh, uh, the Villa goalkeeper seemed to be coping quite well. But when, the, um, when we were 1-0 down, by the way, if you didn't see this game, we were 1-0 down going into added time, but there were 12 minutes of added time. And as soon as I saw 12 go up, I thought, well, we're definitely getting a draw out of this. <laughs> definitely. Beth Mead came on, first game back in months. It's great to see her back and uh, provided an assist for the winning goal. This could turn the season around, could Nick, because they haven't started well up. You'd hope so. I think the main feeling at full time would have been relief for everyone. Yeah. Um, because at the moment Beth Mead came on at 1-0, you were looking at two losses and a draw to start the season. And if there's one league you can't drop points in, it's the WSL. There's only 12 teams, so you have to make every match count. And if Arsenal lost again, I think whew, it would have been very uncomfortable and difficult conversations to start yes. the season. Yes. Um, so to get that win, I think hopefully you'd assume there'd be some momentum that comes from that and belief. Also, I think it's quite um, encouraging that uh, Vivian Miedemar's in the, the Netherlands squad. Um, I don't think that means like, should we play in straight away? Um, it might be more of a kind of assistance with rehab kind of thing, but you're getting closer to, I guess, at least the attack getting to top availability. And that's exactly what you need when when a lot of, well, all your eggs are kind of in the league basket now. So, well, um, so yeah, I think massive relief, but still need to improve. 35,000 there, James. Another massive crowd, really. Uh, I mean, I mean, they're basically experimenting, aren't they, to see if it's viable for the women's team to play all their home games at the Emirates. It's certainly looking like that might be the case. Yeah, stress testing it, I think, is the phrase I heard used by, you know, playing the Liverpool game and then the Villa game in, in quick succession and seeing what the demand would be like across those two. And the Villa game, there, there was hardly any sort of publicity as far as I could tell for it. The Liverpool game, there was quite a lot of shouting and we sold a lot of tickets, but 
for for Villa, I didn't hear a huge amount, and there were still thirty five thousand people there. Yeah, absolutely, uh, and I think that is really, really encouraging, and also encouraging. I think that's a great Emirates Stadium moment. That winning goal, you know, I, I think Arsenal have undoubtedly had bigger games there and more well attended games, but it was just great to see that particular moment of that late winner in that ground for the team, for the fans who turned up on the day. You know, those are the moments that have kept us coming back to the men's team for a long time. And I think they'll keep that crowd coming back to the women's team too. Yeah. And the crowd, by the way, Jonas Odeveld did uh, specifically mention the crowd and how they lifted them. And that's, uh, that's a big moment, as you say, going forward. For the men's team, Saturday afternoon, Chelsea away. We're unbeaten in our opening eight Premier League games. Great record at Stamford Bridge in recent years, James. Won our last three games. Most recently, 1-0 with a Gabriel goal from close in. I particularly enjoyed the 4-2 as well. We're mm. in the middle of quite a bad run and then suddenly we go to Stamford Bridge and we uh, and uh, Eddie gets a couple of goals. <sighs> I mean, I was thinking about this. We want to win. Obviously, we need to win. But Chelsea away, Chelsea have, have not been, I don't think, as bad as their results would suggest. Certainly, they've made quite a lot of chances. This, this is a dangerous and tough game, particularly after an international break. I think I agree with you that their results have seen them be a bit hard done by. And I think they've turned a little bit of a corner, maybe, the last couple of games, you know, they obviously had a game against Brighton, which they won in the EFL Cup. Then they went to Fulham and were very, very comfortable there. Fulham didn't really turn up on the day and smashed Burnley 4-1 uh, just before the international break. There's some players who are looking a little more settled. They're finding a bit of rhythm there. I was actually at those two games you mentioned, you know, the Gabriel winning from the corner and the one in the midst of the bad run where Eddie got his brace. Uh, and I absolutely loved it. I'm going to be there again on Saturday working. And I hope... Uh, I see a third victory on the bounce. But it, it's always a tough game, Chelsea. I think whatever their league position, this is a tough fixture and Mikel Arteta will absolutely know that going in. We haven't played our first choice front three yet this season. Uh, I mean, do you think we'll see it, by the way? I mean, it depends, I guess, if uh, Bukayo Saka is fit. He's going to have a late fitness test. I mean, Martinelli, Jesus and Saka be great to see them start, wouldn't it, against Chelsea? Just Because I just think it's our most effective front three. Yeah, if Saka's fit, that's the one that I'd go for as well. I think the fact that Arsenal are where they are this season without having played their, I guess, first choice front three, but also when you look at the injury issues they've had as well, I think it's testament to, I guess, the solidity of them so far this year now we kind of want to see the training wheels come off and hopefully this weekend's the time to do it but in terms of Gabriel Jesus I thought he actually did quite well off the right against Manchester City I actually quite liked seeing a right footer on the right side because it just gave I guess a little bit of a different option so if Saka wasn't available I wouldn't be opposed to seeing Reese Nelson start there and he actually prefers playing off the left but I do feel like there is room for a winger who plays on their preferred foot on their side so yeah I, I would be interested to see that if Saka wasn't fit We do have a number of options James you wrote a piece about Kai Havertz and using Arsenal maybe using him as a number nine in the short term and you 
went into the fact that when he was announced, he was announced as a midfielder, but possibly his best performances this season, in fact, both against Man City, one was in the Community Shield, and then when he came on and he laid on uh, uh, Gabriel Martinelli's winning goal in the game against City the other week, does it matter? We can label players how, however we want to label them, but really you just want to find the most effective position for him. And if right now he's a bit more comfortable playing in that number nine role, certainly an option, isn't it? It is an option. And I think he brings versatility. You know, there's a number of different roles in the team that he could fill. It's interesting, you know, in the midfield position, I spoke about the amount of tackles Arsenal are making in the kind of middle third. He's probably played his part in that. I think his work off the ball has been better than his work on it. But I, I just wonder if he'll start this game. I mean, he didn't start against Man City. Arsenal went with Rice in a slightly more advanced midfield role. They could do the same, potentially. Thomas Partey's played for Ghana during this international break. He would be fit to start, arguably, at Stamford Bridge. You know, and, and then up top... You've got Eddie Nketiah, who's, who's got the shirt. Gabriel Jesus and potentially, maybe, if Bukayo Saka comes back, we could see that front three of Martinelli, Jesus and Saka. So I think Havertz might find himself out of the side this weekend. But given the reception Chelsea fans might give him, that might be no bad thing. <laughs> yeah, quite. All right, well, fingers crossed uh, for the weekend. We've got a few ex-Chelsea players, haven't we? Uh, Kai Havertz, Jorginho, and of course, uh, Eddie Nketiah and Detton Rice are in the uh, ex-Chelsea Academy. I wonder uh, if uh, Mikado Mudrik will be playing and how he'll feel coming up against uh, Zinni. I think he'd probably be coming up against Benjamin White more often. So yeah, that'll be another test, I guess, for the unflusterable Ben White. I'm not even <laughs> sure if unflusterable is a word. But, I, it should be. But we'll Do you know what? It. it should be. <laughs> I, I, it sounds weird, yeah. but I, I like that word. We'll try and get it used in, in common parlance. Um, let's have a uh, song before we go. Art. Is this a song for the artifacts or is this just a general sort of... Uh... I'll say it's more general. I finished watching The Sopranos recently and I can't get the theme song out of their head. So I'm going for Woke Up This Morning by Alabama Free. So yeah, hopefully that fits well. There is mention of a gun, so I'll, I'll put that with the gunners. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Big Pussy Bompensiero was a well-known Arsenal fan. In that, uh... <laughs> also unflusterable, I'm told. Yeah. James, have you got a song for us? Yeah, I think, um, well, look, look, when we beat Man City at full time, it was North London forever. It was hot off the, uh, hot, 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 hot. What's, what's this phrase? Hot, hot off, the, off the press, the DJ's Can a record press. come hot? Yeah, the DJ's press. <laughs> I've mixed my metaphors a bit there. I know what you mean. You know what I mean. Anyway, so it was North London last week, West London uh, this weekend. So I've picked a track called West London by Wiley. I'm MCs. Even though I don't want to hurt MCs. I was born with the spirit blood. I'm not a gimmick blood. Rude boy. I'm a little dark MC. Nobody can't spray up anywhere when I'm in. Man better sit in their chairs when I'm in. Let's hope we come back from there with three points. Yeah, quite. I've because uh, the Stone Collective, my team, like I say, they had a sort of soul feel about them. I've gone for Stoned Love by the Supremes. Stone Love. That's it for Handbreak Off. 
nice to see Art and James and thanks to Jay, our producer, and we'll speak to you after the weekend. I'm Ian Stone. See you soon. Ta-da.